Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It's been a busy day covering LSU football. Ed Ogeron met with the media on Wednesday to preview the practices, which begin on Saturday and culminate in the April 18th spring game on Southern's campus at Mumford Stadium, which is set for noon on ESPN2. That was announced this week, so you can catch the LSU spring game with a little Saturday afternoon TV viewing. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, to break it all down on this edition of the Shay, uh, a lot of newsy items coming out of Ogeron's press conference, and I want to begin right away with the favorite to win the left tackle spot, Dare Rosenthal, who left the team for personal reasons this spring. Ed Ogeron hopeful that he'll return, but it's going to open the door for Cam Wire to step in right away and, and get more reps, and Thomas Perry, the redshirt freshman who kind of battled a little bit of injury uh, on his own uh, this fall. It's now a question mark for that left tackle spot, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean, there were high hopes here, right? I mean, you had Sadiq Charles for a couple of years as a starter, and but last year, remember, he was out for six games, and they kind of spot started around. Adrian McGee even got there at some points, but it was Dare who, I think he got three starts on the year. He played over 200 snaps, and when they moved him over from defense to offense, uh, to the offensive line, it was clear they wanted somehow to find some athleticism at left tackle. And not that Charles didn't have that, Sadiq, but moving forward, they needed to find a way to get one of their more athletic linemen trained up and ready to play left tackle. And it appeared to be Dare. And now we get this news that he's gone from the team. We don't actually have a lot of info on it in terms of uh, at least publicly on record of what it could be involving. So we won't speculate, but we do know that He's not coming back until the summer. We did actually see this. It's not like fool's gold here, right? Like Orgeron said the exact same thing about Justin Thomas. Now it could be very different situations, but Thomas left the team in the middle of the season. He left school. He said, look, he'll be back in the spring. We'll have him for spring ball. And that's the case. I mean, uh, Thomas is back now and he'll start spring ball on Saturday, but it's a hit, Billy, because I think more than anything, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but you've got to figure out a way to get your O-line in sync when you lose this many starters and uh, protecting your new quarterback's blind side beyond the center spot uh, could be up there as most important. So uh, it's a big hit, and we'll see. It's it's a big chance for Cam Wire, who's going to get the first team reps, and then Thomas Perry, as you mentioned, uh, to get some experience, to get some first team reps, because uh, while it appears the staff is hopeful, right, or at least plans on Dare being back, uh, what happens if he's not or what happens if he gets banged up? You're going to have to go to one of these guys. So, uh, Billy, A, uh, I think that, yes, big chance for Wire and Perry. B, I kind of see now why they were entertaining uh, some offensive linemen who are in the portal uh, because, yes, not only are you replacing this many guys, but you're starting left tackles not even in school right now. Yeah, it's a tough, tough break for LSU. I, I think Dare's got a ton of upside, but I also think Cam Wire has a lot of upside, and he's put in a lot of work to get to the point where 
physically he can play. And like you said, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we break down the O-line in spring ball. But it kind of reminds me in a way of like a more advanced Charles Turner. Cam, of course, has been on campus a little bit longer than him. And so he's kind of ready, at least physically, to compete with Dare. And, and he won't have Dare there to compete with in person this spring. But they'll certainly pick that up this summer. Uh, a, a lot of, I think, injuries of note that Ed Ogeron touched on. Corey Carter is out for the spring, the, the fullback special teamer. Uh, Sony Fanua, the defensive end, outside linebacker, who's an outside linebacker in Dave Aranda's 3-4 defense. Uh, he'll be out for the spring. Eric Gilbert, the five-star tight end, of course, who had shoulder surgery, is out for the spring. Maurice Hampton, a non-injury. He's playing, of course, for the baseball team. He caught Ed Ogeron's first pitch there for the season opener. Uh, he is focusing on baseball. That was Ed Ogeron's pitch to him during the recruiting process. So he will be all baseball this spring. And then Todd Harris, as he recovers from that knee injury, he's going to be out for the spring. Ed Ogeron mentioned he might see some time here and there, but for the most part, he'll be out. And then Elias Ricks, the five-star cornerback, and Neil Farrell, the defensive lineman, are going to be limited. So this, for me, opens up, and, and there are certain spots that you see opportunities for younger players, like, for example, at safety. Jordan Tolles, who Ed Ogeron highlighted, he's going to get a chance to play a lot more. The the highly touted uh, safety out of out of the East Coast and, and a two sports star on the basketball court as well. And then, uh, you know, just other defensive linemen are going to have to step up while Fanua and Farrell are banged up. Uh, of course, that'll leave uh, other tight ends to step up with Eric Gilbert out. He's kind of the favorite, I would say, to probably take over for Thad Moss. So. A lot of hodgepodge of injuries that are that are going to open the doors for other players. Yeah, of course. Look, I mean, it's much like we were talking about Dare at left tackle. When guys are out, it really gives other guys, and certainly in the spring, right, when you're so far away from the season, you're trying to feel out where guys might be. Um, they've had some position changes. You kind of want to see um, how guys mesh when they're out there. So good chance for other guys to, to get their reps in. Some of these are uh, no big deal. I'll say this. The biggest one for me is the one you, you kind of ended on there uh, as you were closing out your thoughts, Eric Gilbert. And, and because, yeah, five star, your highest ranked player in the class, all that is quite important. But with Thaddeus Moss gone and you mentioned we'll see if, if this is kind of the time is now for Jamal Pettigrew. But they don't have much help at tight end. T.K. McClendon, a guy they recruited at tight end, is one of the potentially one of their starting defensive linemen at this point. Uh, and you've got now on campus Eric Gilbert uh, and, of course, um, out of Colorado, Cole Taylor. Uh, Taylor will be in spring ball, so maybe it's a chance for him as well. But I know they want Gilbert to play a lot next year. Not that in the summer he can't catch up and be fine for fall camp and be good to go for the season. He really is that talented, so it's probably no big deal. But you got him in early. It kind of sucks that he banged up uh, or got banged up enough to require surgery. Uh, when he was in San Antonio at the All-American Bowl practice week. Um, but these are 15 practices you would have loved to have him out there for just because they have such high hopes right away. Like they're not going to look at him like a true freshman. Yeah, so there it, it's uh, I think it adds to a little bit more intrigue for the spring. I think that is all I think for the most part. Uh, outside of the newcomers, you know, I think what you have with a lot of those guys, Spanua would have been a bit a big opportunity for him to step up. And, and earn some more playing time. But it sound, Ed Ogeron didn't sound concerned about any of the injuries affecting these guys as they get ready in the summer and into fall camp, which is a positive. 
one guy that, uh, you know, you covered him personally, that was always ready to go. And I got to watch him as, as I was just, you know, kind of getting, you know, into covering college football, uh, who was always ready to go is Kelvin Shepard, who is taking over for Kevin Falk as the director of player development, played eight seasons in the NFL, finished his LSU career, leading the team in tackles his last two seasons in Baton Rouge and finished as a first team all sec or uh, somebody that I, I think fits that role as being a former LSU player that Ed Ogeron clearly has gotten to know, has a lot of respect for and thought enough of to bring in as the next director of player development. You're exactly right. It sort of follow falls in line with everything else uh, that they've been doing so far in terms of, putting Kevin Falk into that spot originally, then promoting Kevin Falk, putting Kelvin Shepard into that role. Uh, you've got a number of former players on staff from Insminger to Corey Raymond to Falk. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing some guys in there, but Dwayne Thomas and Christian Lockator uh, are all working uh, right now uh, on staff in some capacity. So impressive, I think, by Orzron to continue to find fits with experienced coaches out there, but also knowing when to – kind of bring former guys around who have a who have both a, a want to have a career path like this but are also good enough to get the job done we're well liked and uh yeah you mentioned the accolades boy he was time flies i mean given that 2010 was back when he was really wreaking havoc like you said eight years in the nfl is boy it flew right by but i can remember it like it was yesterday i mean this was a guy who was putting up uh you know at 100 tackles a year uh right in that range before we hit that whole stretch of, of Kevin Minter and, and into kind of the more modern day linebackers, middle linebackers that we know well of Devin White and uh, Quan and all those different guys, uh, Debo, Duke Riley, uh, Kendall Beckwith, all these guys who played middle linebacker. I feel like uh, Kendall Beckwith and Perry, or excuse me, Kelvin Shepard and Perry Riley, uh, who came to LSU together out of Stone Mountain way back in the day. Golly, that was probably like 06 or something, but uh, when they did, they were uh, they were some studs, and uh, I think this is good for LSU to be able to get a guy like that into the spot who can both work with your team, but also be kind of present and around campus for when recruiting comes. Because uh, he was a stud recruit back in the day, coming out of uh, coming out of Stevenson. Yeah, good good move by Ed Ogeron, and and somebody there expecting to uh, wreak some havoc is what it sounds like. And when I think of the word explode. Certainly a little bit of havoc involved is, is Miles Brennan, quarterback, who's set to take over for Joe Burrow. Ed Ozron had some high praise for him during his press conference, and you've got a piece coming out on what O said and kind of what the expectations are for Miles uh, in spring ball. Are they – look, he, he said no – and he kind of opened his press conference with this. We're not expecting this team to be the 2019 LSU Tigers and what they did in the historic way they won a national championship. But when he said Miles Brennan is, is ready to explode in his mind, I mean, that's a lot of high praise and some expectations that are that are heaped on to him. Yeah, and I think uh, Joe Burrow had a good comment the other day when NFL Network asked him about Tom Brady comparisons and he laughed and he cut him off and said, don't don't put that on me. I, you know, he's one of the greatest of all time. I've, let me at least do my own thing here. And I think that's the approach Brennan's going to be taking behind Joe Burrow and Look, we, we talked a lot about this in the podcast last week, just about Brennan taking over and what the quarterback kind of future could look like. And I don't think anybody um, with any sort of reasonable expectations would think that Brennan could come close to what uh, Joe Burrow did in 2019. But 
I don't think you need to either to be really good. Um, but also it's year one of what is probably two years of Miles Brennan, uh, which much like Joe Burrow, you could see a jump from year one to year two. Uh, I think this spring is all about, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you exactly what this spring is about. And I think he's already done it. This spring's about Miles finding a voice. And as much as it is about getting first team reps and getting um, a new quarterback center exchange going and getting on page with these receivers who'd been working with the first team previously under Burrow and are now going to get extensive work with Brennan. Like all that's really important, obviously, but he's got all spring. He's got all summer. He's got fall camp to get on the same page as those guys. We heard how much Burrow said just summer workouts throwing with Jamar and Justin and Terrace were important in terms of building that rapport, but finding his voice. And that's something he could never do until now. Like he couldn't stand up and run practice or run meetings or organize guys for throwing sessions when Burrow is your starting quarterback, like Joe Burrow is doing that. But I thought one thing Orgeron talked about this week was that he's noticed, you know, walking down the hallway out of the corner of his eye, Miles is in there studying film, which is what Burrow would be doing is going above and beyond with your film study, uh, doing it more so than you've ever done before, uh, seeing them lead in fourth quarter drills, being the guys who are out front, uh, who are never getting winded, who are trying to keep everybody else going, uh, being the guys that's organizing these off-season workouts and throwing sessions and just things you do until you can get to spring ball and actually have your coaches all there and and be in pads at some point. And Orgeron said Brennan's done all that and that he went into it, and you can read all this on the site. There'll be a, a full kind of transcript of what O said, and we'll have a story, as Billy mentioned. But the kind of point that I got was almost that even if, like any talk of Brennan not being the quarterback or wanting to find someone who would replace Brennan to be the quarterback in the transfer portal or off the current roster and recruiting, all of that sort of a squash. Like Orgeron just came out more so than ever and just said, look, I'm behind Miles Brennan. I totally believe in him. Uh, and I think that he kind of gave the impression that like, I think he's going to be better than most of y'all are anticipating him being, if that's being fair. Yeah. I thought it was good for Ogeron to say that because it also just kind of cements him a, as a starter, like that is kind of, uh, I think important going into the spring, but to say that and say, I have the confidence, this is our guy that helps miles, I guess, get even more legitimacy in the locker room and not that he needed it. He's one of the hardest working players on the team. He's routinely on the top of my uh, Tommy Moffitt's, board of hardest working players in the weight room and that was that was even back when burrow was there you would see miles still earn those uh those kind of uh pieces of recognition throughout the time that burrow was battling for the starting job a couple years ago over the summer so pretty good move by ed ogeron to do that and again get behind his guy as they turn the page to this 2020 team uh speaking of turning the page shay uh, the LSU baseball team turned the page off of a kind of disappointing, very disappointing weekend, uh, at least uh, hitting-wise, in Houston at the Shriners Classic. And they went out and beat Southeastern 6-3, to three, got another win over Southeastern, which has been uh, quite routine over the history of LSU baseball. But they got back on the right side of things with a 6-3 win uh, and just overall, I think, kind of helped shake that. Uh, weekend in, in Houston and kind of get a little bit of confidence. Their game against Grambling is going to be rained out. It is rained out. They already postponed that. And then uh, they'll be back in action this weekend against UMass Lowell. So overall, just uh, to cap kind of our first part of the pod, uh, 
a little bit of positive news for LSU baseball, which has been tough to come by so far this year. Uh, yeah, okay, so I Googled because I didn't even know, and I feel like I'm actually like pretty well versed in like colleges and teams, um, but I didn't know what UMass, UMass Lowell was uh, or Lowell or, or whichever it might be. Um, Lowell Narcisse's name might have me butchering that, uh, but I Googled. So, and I guess before I get my reaction here, how many students would you guess go to UMass Lowell? Uh, is it probably well, like, yeah, if I told you my reaction, then you would know like to guess higher. Like, I, so just, well, well, no, I was going to say is, and this is going to be dumb, but you know, I'm not a geography major. I don't even know where UMass Lowell is. If it's near Boston, I would say it would be like a 25,000 person school. Okay. So it's got, it's got 20,000, uh, about a little, little under 20,000 people. I was imagining since I had never heard of it, that it was going to be, um, like a six thousand, like like just barely anybody. I just never heard of this school before. Uh, but by googling, it says it is uh, in Middlesex County, uh, so it's by Cambridge. Um, I don't know how close. Are you like super into Massachusetts, um, like geography? Do you know exactly where that is? I've got MapQuest pulled on. Oh, it is I've, right outside Boston. Okay, so yeah, it's, it's not, not far. far from Boston. So yes, you're. Your reasoning was correct, that if it's not far from Boston, that uh, maybe it would have a lot of students. I'd never heard of it. Did you? It's a nine-hour walk, but it's an hour drive. Um, <laughs> it's a nine-hour uh, walk. <laughs> um, no, I have, you know, a college hockey guy here. And and so, of course, they've got college hockey. So I've watched uh, a couple of their games from time to time uh, over the years. Not obviously a routine watcher. But, yeah, I've heard of them. Uh, haven't really heard that they would have a baseball team. But, hey, with 20,000 kids, why not? No doubt. Hey, they've got St. Thomas University coming up in a few weeks out of Florida. So really reeling them off right here uh, of the teams that you might be surprised have a baseball program. Yeah, that sounds like it'll be really, really good for NCAA tournament seating. But that's another discussion, maybe another podcast. We'll have to bring somebody else on, I think, for that one. And uh, we will uh, take a break from the baseball talk because I'm sure a lot of people might be getting a little gassed up over that right now. Uh, and get back to spring football talk on the other side of this break. We're going to break down the LSU offensive line, kind of what is next with Dare Rosenthal out and how it might look and how it might shake out over the course of spring ball. So we'll do that on the other side of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, take advantage and subscribe to Go 24-7 for just a buck. You can get access pretty much throughout most of spring ball now. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll get charged the full I think around eight bucks or whatever it is uh, for that second month uh, in April as uh, the spring game nears and things like that. And there's a big recruiting weekend on campus. So take advantage, use that dollar. You'll get uh, the recruiting list and certainly reactions from recruits as they hit campus for the first time since the dead period has ended. And uh, also LSU basketball still recruiting at a high level. Plenty to uh, keep you occupied with there as well on the recruiting front. Shay. James Craig has a lot to keep himself occupied with, a lot to work through, replacing four starters, Sadiq Charles, Adrian McGee, Lloyd Cushenberry, and Damian Lewis on the offensive line. Ed Ogeron got into it today over uh, you know what's what the offensive line looks looks like. And Dare is out. That is a big blow going into spring that this was an opportunity for him to maybe take a step forward. And now you've got an offensive line that is certainly unproven outside of right tackle Austin Deculus. And a lot of holes that need to, needs to be filled, and they've got to take some drastic measures to do that. Yeah, you know, when we were so to give people a glimpse of what we're talking about here, four of the five starters from a year ago are gone. Like you're both your guards, Damian Lewis and Adrian McGee graduated. Cushionberry, your center, went pro uh, as an underclassman, and so did Sadiq Charles at left tackle. So you've only got Austin Deckels back at right tackle, and. His backup, at least for now, is going to be Charles Turner. And that's what Ed Orgeron said, that Turner is going to be kind of a swingman of sorts, and he's going to back up the center spot, most likely, and back up Deckels at right tackle. Uh, and then we'll see what some of these new signees can do when they get to campus. But to go from left to right on the other four open spots, like now we know that Dare Rosenthal, who everyone is pretty high on, uh, and that Orgeron called or, or said today, quote, Dare will play in the NFL, and then he followed that up by saying, but he's not with us right now, which is like a total buzzkill for anybody listening to the whole sentence play out there, uh, but he's out. So Cam Wire, I, I looked it up, like I said, I was trying to look up before we went on. Wire played in six games a year ago. I can't remember him being in very many games. So that might have been like some special teams work or uh, obviously really at the end of a game. Uh, Ed Ingram, your left guard, who's going to be your first team left guard, um, remember, he played a bunch as a freshman. He got suspended. He missed a year. And then he came back last year and, and gosh, what a handful of games in, like a month in, and then started playing more. He might have gotten a start in there, but definitely has got some experience. And then at center, you've got Chase and Hines, who we, he played as a freshman a lot like Ingram did, but then didn't play a ton last year uh, and kind of never really jumped back into the fold like he did right away um, his first year. So now he's at a new position. You can't really call him experienced in any regard. He'd been playing guard before, uh, and they moved Joseph Evans from D-line over to center to see if he can help out. And then at right guard, you've got Anthony Bradford, who, you know, what, took a red shirt last year. I don't, obviously, I don't think he played any games, um, three games last year, and you can play in uh, as many as three. So he took a red shirt. Uh, so he's got no real experience. So for me, Billy, I'd what becomes most important? I don't know all of them, but spring, summer, fall camp, I guess spring, because you're trying to feel out what you've actually got and what order it might go. But 
none of these guys beyond Deculus and Ingram to an extent have any real experience. And if any of them did, it was Rosenthal and he's not even there now. So with Cardell Thomas banged up, um, your new signees that you've got aren't coming until the summer. It's sort of a mix of second team walk-ons and first team guys that you hope are your starters, but that have never really played. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation right now for LSU on the offensive line. But I will say this. A lot of the offensive line was banged up in fall camp last year. Everyone, I think, remembers uh, there was, uh, oh, my gosh, it, it, there, it just seemed like there were injuries left and right. Ed Ogeron, Ed Ogeron called them really thin uh, at one point in fall camp. I think we were about two weeks out from the start of the season, and I, I, I'm not sure if I think two of the five were maybe in gold and at one point. And, of course, Sadiq was pretty, um, you know, uh, they were careful with him. So it's, uh, you know, it's really an interesting uh, thing that James Craig has to work with. And he's got to, uh, he's got his work cut out for him, but he did a great job. And, uh, you know, I think for Ed Ingram, for Austin Deculus, you feel good about those two. I think with all the buzz around Anthony Bradford kind of being one of the strongest guys on the team and certainly cementing himself as, as one of the hardest working guys in that room, you feel good about him being able to step up. I mean, this is what happens in college football. You've got to have younger guys step up each year because most likely you're not bringing back your whole, whole line. The upside with Cam Wire is certainly that he was one of those leaner. He's one of those tests, right, of, of the, the under, not undersized, he's 6'6", but uh, somebody that came in around 245, 250, and is now putting on the weight, packing it on, and looks the part, can he put together the athleticism and, and the physicality needed to play left tackle in the SEC if, let's say, something happens with Dare and he doesn't return? That's the question there. Center is really critical in, in, in all of this. I think Chase on Hines' experience. And one thing I'll say about Chase on, and I know Ed Ogeron, they moved Joe Evans over there to compete with him and Charles Turner might not be physically ready to go yet there to play the grind of an SEC season, especially, but people forget he stepped in against Auburn as a true freshman. He stepped in at other points in that season and played well at left guard. And now that's a different animal than I think playing center. And, and certainly he was playing between two really good players in Sadiq and Lloyd, but uh, I think that's underrated. You know, he's a gamer. He can, he's athletic. He's very, very powerful. So I think he'll be fine at center. But my whole point of that is I'm not so sure that spring ball is this end-all, be-all, you know, have to get the offensive line to mesh together. And, look, Joe Burrow hit a lot of, I think, some of the issues that LSU's offensive line might have had behind another quarterback. But overall, I do think that they'll be okay. And the real test is fall camp and putting it all together. Yeah, no, I hear you. I think that's fair and totally agree with you on Burroughs. So um, I don't know. They, they've, got a, they've got a good amount to replace. I'll be interested to see how these first um, kind of couple of weeks play out for them as they uh, get through the acclimation period and into pads and, and then start to work uh, those guys out in a couple of scrimmages. Um, we'll see how they hold up. But uh, you're right. Not, not end all be all right now, but at least you hope to find some sort of answers uh, onto guys who look like they could do something for you uh, coming out of spring ball so that you don't have to go into summer wondering, 
hey, how good are these freshmen that uh, maybe you've got a starting lineup already figured out? Yeah, exactly. So I think I think they'll they'll work it out, and um, there there's a lot to to get through in spring ball. I mean, there's a lot of positions up for grabs, and we'll touch on those as spring ball gets underway, and we'll kind of get a better look at who's competing where. Um, I do want to look ahead. Saturday, we're gonna get our you guys are gonna get uh, the first look at the LSU team on the field, but uh, you guys are gonna get your look at it. I'll be in Mexico at a wedding, and so whoop, wedding. Whoop. Weddings are never a good time. Uh, there's always, a, like, in terms of timing, right? There's uh, it's always something because of what you and I do for a living uh, that something big seems to be going on. But I'm pumped going to Cabo. Uh, went last year for a wedding, going back again right now. Shay, have you uh, done a little Cabo in your time? Have you done a little Mexico? I've been to a few places in Mexico. I've never been to Cabo. And I, I imagine, too, like, you could think of Cabo – in like a spring break type of way, but I would anticipate that an SMU boy uh, is doing Cabo at our age in like a nicer way, unless you're going to, going to inform me differently. Like, are you going to, is this going to be like a nice trip? We, we've got a, we've got a nice Airbnb, actually a total steal. I think uh, I got out the door for 300 for the weekend. That's pretty, not bad. not bad at all. Like, got the flight. You got a pool? Uh, got a pool. It's on the okay. hotel property. It's kind of in the gates of whatever this community is. And pretty amp. The pictures look pretty sick. So we're going to do a little, uh, you know, some margaritas, some some cerveza, and some fish tacos and things like that. And then we've got all the wedding festivities. We're pretty pretty amped about it. Are you in this wedding? No, thank thank gosh. Like yeah, I, You can really cut that, and you? You're going to have a good old time. I know. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to enjoy myself a little bit because the, the rest of the spring ball, I'll be back at it. And then NCAA tournament and SEC tournament. So this is kind of the last vacation. Uh, I feel bad. I feel like I've known Skyler and covered Skyler Mays since he was a sophomore in high school. So to not be uh, to not be at his senior night just sucks. But, you know, like I said, weddings, they don't always work out as far as uh, Timing goes, but uh, I, I shall enjoy myself in Cabo, and, and I know you guys will have it covered. I didn't know where you were going that with that one. The weddings don't always work out as far as timing goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they, no, yeah, what? Skylar, Marlin, and Graves are, are your three seniors? That'll be fun. I'll, yeah. I'll go to the game on Saturday. Yep, you'll have us represented. and, and yeah. And we'll have uh, yeah, uh, working on a little little Skylar uh, piece as well for the for the site on uh, Friday. I'll have, Got to uh, talk to Skyler and then uh, be done with that. So it'll be good. We'll have a, have it all covered. But, yeah, Cabo, it'll be a great time. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting my look at LSU next week uh, when I'm back in town. But, Shay, they've got a lot of – a fair amount of newcomers that'll be on the field working out. And one to note is a newcomer to a new position who we didn't talk about earlier, Devonta Lee making the move from wide receiver to linebacker. What would you make of that move? And I think it's a terrific fit and a, and a – smart smart move for them yeah i mean there was one point where i thought it would be safety like i didn't doubt that he would probably wind up playing defense again like he spent a year at receiver they didn't really like have this immediate need for him on either side like not saying he's not a good player but obviously they went 15 and 0 they had really good players um but now that it's becoming sort of more of a need like hey how can we get devonta on the field i totally get why he's going to defense i thought it might be safety but linebacker makes total sense um, he can 
He's got a huge frame. He can bulk it up easily, and he's already a big kid. So I like it. Like, Orgeron compared him to Jacoby Stevens, and I think what he was saying was just how, you know, sort of versatile in terms of athleticism that that um, that Devonta is. But uh, I like it. I mean, playing a 4-3, I, I like the idea of a guy like Jaco- or a guy like um, Devonta Lee uh, playing on that side of the ball and at least see what you can do with him. Yeah, and you, you almost said Jacoby there, and Ed Ogeron compared it to Jacoby Stevens. Yeah, so. right. I just kept going with it. Yeah, it, it, that was where that was where it was going. So it it'll be a good move. I'm excited to see him work out there, and I, I think he'll be uh, he's got a chance to be a difference maker in the long run. Uh, looking ahead, we'll wrap up this podcast. Number seven in the SEC tournament, the women's basketball team takes on Florida, the number ten seed, on Thursday night to kick. Uh, to kick off the SEC basketball tournament. We're recording recording this podcast, so we're not going to dive into the LSU-Arkansas basketball game uh, that uh, on Wednesday night, and uh, but we'll have that covered for you guys as well. And then I want to highlight the women's beach volleyball team, number one in the entire nation, takes on Zona this weekend, the number 17 team in the country. My cousin actually plays, uh, I, I guess it's professional beach volleyball he goes and plays in tournaments and he can get ranked and all that stuff with his team and so he came into baton rouge uh, to catch up with us and see a couple friends and he went out to the tournament on uh last saturday night and said that is the best beach volleyball atmosphere he's ever been out at it's uh it's they have like two to three thousand people there yeah, they set a record, I believe. I'm going to look it up right now for us. But he just said, and I told him, I was like, oh, that's the old tennis tennis facility that they turned into it, uh, turned into the uh, uh, beach volleyball stadium. And, and he was just in awe of the facility that LSU has for, I mean, not, you know, the volleyball team plays in the PMAC, but uh, the over 2,400 people that showed up to watch NCAA beach volleyball set a record uh, of, for an on-campus event. So he was blown away, and, and that was kind of the biggest, uh, the biggest, I guess, endorsement outside of a ranking I could see from, from the team. I mean, I, I, I keep up with him about my, my beach volleyball stuff, and he's uh, – Yeah, right. He's a go-to source here. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you ever hear me cite a beach volleyball source, uh, which is rare, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely true. my cousin – uh, so, so he was over the top. So I'm going to have to check that out sometime. He said it was a great scene. They brought, they snuck a, a couple beverages in and, and enjoyed they, it. They don't, they don't serve beer at that thing. It, like, is it not like a sanctioned event or something? I'm not sure, but they brought a cooler. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they probably do serve beer. You just walk in. It's like the old Alex box. You can just bring the cooler in. What does, but where was it? Uh, God, we should just end the podcast now before I start talking beach volleyball. Like, before they built that or when they were building it last year, weren't they playing at that place on Burbank? And that place is like super rowdy. That place, it's called uh, the um, – hold it's on. It's a restaurant. And like, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to look it up right now. But it's a uh, plug, no free ads if they want to sponsor us like Superior, we hope uh, one day will. Uh, it's across the street from Lakeside Bar and Grill, uh, Lakeside Daiquiri's big shout out there on, uh, on Burbank. And it's called the – uh, the Oasis right now. It used to be something else, but yeah, it used to be something else. Creole Cabana. It used to be Creole Cabana. Might That's have, right. Yeah. So the Oasis. Uh, yes, that place is always popping. The parking lot's always packed. I've been meaning to go over there as well and and grab a beer uh, after uh, maybe a lakeside daiquiri and crawfish. But 
Anyway, uh, that will be, uh, I guess, maybe maybe for next, uh, not next weekend, because I'll be in Nashville for the SEC basketball tournament, but weekend after, maybe, maybe we go catch some uh, volleyball and uh, some crawfish. Oh, the pod live from wherever. We need to do, look. We don't have any, we don't have, none of these people are advertisements. I'm done giving them free love. If they want us to come out there and enjoy it, uh, you know, pay the big bucks or whatever. I, I'll come out there and do remotes from anywhere. One day, one day we'll be like 104.5 doing it every uh, lunch from uh, Superior. Just free lunches galore. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Superior, Rufino's, LaBerge, I mean, throw some chips, please, because um, I lose a lot. But anyway, Shay, I, I think we've uh, rambled on just long enough and uh hope everyone enjoys the pod Shay, enjoy the start of spring ball i i i I, big shout out to ed ozron for doing this on wednesday so i could be around and at least get that that preview uh press conference in before i departed the country because saturday's a junior day we'll have you guys covered on all the visitors so be on the lookout for that it'll be a busy weekend on the site and Shay and sunny will have you guys covered and i'll be around as well uh before the services and all of that gets going so uh, Shady, lock it down this weekend. Thanks for uh, doing this pod and appreciate everybody listening. Yep. See you guys next time. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.